games and gamers together now have the sheer magnitude to be a significant unifying force for the world. If I'm to choose between a greater and lesser evil, I'd rather not choose at all. You are almost a jibble sandwich. Did I ever tell you the definition of insanity? Be better. Check this out. Hello, 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 and welcome everybody to the 344th episode of the Hungry Gamers Podcast. I got a lot of problems with you people. I am Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan8Bits. And joining me on this fantastic airing of Grievances 2023 Festivus Edition are my boys just going from around the room on the Riverside Studio. Cameras here. I'm looking at Matt Tilby, who you can find at It's Tilby, Jono Peck, who can be found at Jono himself, and Buddy Watson, who can be found at Buddy Watson 12. Gentlemen, welcome back to the studio. It's been a hot minute. I've missed you all. I'm loving looking at your faces. How the bloody hell are you? Very good. Very good. It's good to be back after a couple of weeks away. It's good to be back to uh, complain. Like, you know, that's what this is about. We're whinging and we're throwing, we're spitting venom today, which is a little against what we usually try and do but uh let's do it let's let's get into the the hate <laughs> let it flow it's generally not against what i do so uh it's uh been, been great to be back here uh the residency is just finished for me so i'm um i'm fresh i'm fresh back in the mood i've had you know my three or four weeks here and uh i'm i'm, I'm back in the groove i'm used to uh throwing out those uh those those hot takes and getting angry and and being a whingy old man. So uh, when you said there was a whole episode dedicated towards that and that I could come along, I was like, sign me up. Yeah, I didn't even get to finish the sentence and you're already knocking on the door saying, hey, when are we recording this episode? Because I'm in. I've got some complaints. I've got some fire that I'm going to drop on all these dirty scumbags out in the gaming industry. I was like, shut up. Shut up, Brennan. <laughs> Give you this to me and hello. This is, this is mine. <laughs> I was only a little bit hurt, but it's going to be a good time. So yeah, listeners, if this is your first time tuning into Hungry Gamers episode, first and foremost, sorry, because it's probably going to be a bit of a wild <laughs> one tonight. But if it's your first time hearing the term Festivus, yeah, what it is, is a spin-off holiday season that was celebrated in Seinfeld way, way, way back when. And we've decided to run with it here on the Hungry Gamers. And every year we are air our video game related grievances so we're going to talk about gaming disappointments issues within the industry things that we've experienced that is so bad that they're somehow so good and everything else in between so um yeah the takes will be hot the spice will be like not butter chicken level this is certainly like vindaloo style like get ready to tap your anus when you wipe later because it's going to be so red raw because the steaks are going to be <laughs> so spicy. So get the milk ready listeners to put it in your ears because we are bringing the fire today. And I guess we can start with maybe this first one off the rip. Let's rumble! Which is biggest gaming disappointments of 2023. And my first disappointment I'm going to air straight off the bat is Riverside doing me dirty here today on this recording session because none of the drops are working. I'm going to have to do so much work in post. So Riverside, I love you, but fuck you tonight. (laughs) So, all right. So we're talking gaming disappointments that have happened in this calendar year and we've had some great influence and great responses from the 8-Bit Nation. So what I've done is I've combined all those fantastic responses combined all the duplications and the similar thought processes and then chucked it all in chat GPT to give me a nice summary. And then I've retweaked it accordingly for something that's a little bit more flow on here with THG. So boys, the 8-Bit Nation say, 
The gaming landscape has been rife with disappointments lately. Redfall, despite its promises, fell short, leading to unwarranted hostility towards developers. Jedi Survivor suffered from an uneven release, presenting a brilliant game marred by bugs and poor performance. Atomic Heart being touted as a successor to Bioshock and ultimately being drowned in the rapture did it no favours either. Forspoken, while it looks stunning and at times played great, was marred with horrible writing. The Lord of the Rings Gollum, even though no one predicted to be in the Game of the Year conversation, was still far worse than anyone had ever imagined. And knowing that the Tolkien estate has been sold off to the highest bidder does not bode well for this universe moving forward. Starfield, though vast, lacked depth, played by excessive menus, broken mechanics, and forgettable characters. The Walking Dead Destinies, Jesus Christ, where do we start there? And The Last of Us Part 2's multiplayer joining Joel's daughter in the heavens was a late emotional moment that put yet another black mark on an overall difficult 2023. So that is the overarching vibe and feeling of 8-Bit Nation. But boys, add to what I've just said, or we can go down our own respective paths and share our gaming disappointments. So Mr. Tilby, I'm looking at you first in this camera. Tell me about your gaming disappointments or add on to what I've just mentioned. We're five minutes in and you've already crushed Buddy's heart by mentioning The Last of Us uh, online. With spoilers Which I too. think is a little harsh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's only 10 years old. But, uh, yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> the one that's just come out that's very topical, John. I think you know the one. But look, for me, the biggest one really had to be AEW Fight Forever. Um, I know we've got a couple wrestling fans in this parish, Buddy especially, but... Um, it was something that I discussed when we talked about it on Hungry Gamers when I was um, doing my residency in October and was really excited about it, was looking forward to something that was probably more of an arcade I don't want to say competitor, but a, more of an alternative to, to WWE 2K's more sort of realistic uh, approach. Um, and obviously delays and, and problems with its release just meant that when it came out, it felt undercooked, immediately out of date, you know, people who weren't there, important wrestlers being locked behind a, uh, a paywall and yeah, generally just, yeah, really lacking in content. Like it, the game is fun to play, don't get me wrong, but there's just so much else around that game that that feels very rushed and underdeveloped and, and really sort of uh, harms the overall experience, to be honest. That's justified. Buddy, do you want to uh, drop an elbow on top of this pile of bodies laden with chairs right now or what? Yeah, I guess so. I guess it, um, I definitely agree with everything you said there. I actually reviewed this one um, over for Explosion Network. I gave it a seven and a half and I was probably one of the higher reviews scores out there. I think Adam from Worldplay, who was also a wrestling fan, gave it seven and a half as well. But criticisms were basically the same as what you said, um, Dilby, that the, the gameplay was amazing and awesome. And someone, for someone like me, he was a lapsed wrestling fan going back to older systems like no mercy was like such a, a a treat and loved it but the content is just so uh bare bones like the creator wrestler there's not a lot of kind of parts or attire or even kind of slots that you can kind of manipulate and come up with some something creative um which i thought would be cool and yeah the the career mode is is pretty small and short and and non-existent so there's not a lot of reason to replay the game outside of just the wrestling with the roster that's there and like you said already it's kind of kind of outdated by the time it came around so i loved the wrestling and i would give that a 10 out of 10 and i loved my time playing it enjoying it it's just kind of bounced out really quickly so for people that have the wwe games or have played those in the past or play them in yearly every second year or something like that you're going to be massively let down and probably crushed by this for someone like me that was you know 
um, a lapsed wrestling game fan and from a bygone era, kind of dabbled with the other ones more recently for a couple of hours here or there. This might rekindle your love, but uh, I don't know how much you're going to get out of it. So depending on the price point, you might not get a lot out of it. But yeah, it was, it was a good throwback, but I can definitely see this as being a big disappointment for a lot of people. Is there anything, because they're sort of shifting this game into a bit of a, a live type of mentality where they're going to have new roster additions rolling out at some very intermittent frequency from what I can gather. Uh, <laughs> is, is there a, a wrestler or a stable or a mode that if they implemented it into Fight Forever, it would pull you boys back in and maybe convert it from a disappointment to a highlight? Or is it sort of, is what it is? They would have to totally revamp the creator wrestler and kind of layer system and what you can and cannot do at the, at the moment. And then inside that, you'd have to have the options inside those those layers and what you'd be able to create so you can pretty much come up with the, some of the wild creations that you could come up with in the past yeah uh, like some of the you know no dq core leagues and some of the stuff that you see online now that are shared through the, the creation portals in in 2k so that would probably be the the biggest thing for me to go back and create some cool characters and make up kind of my own feds or leagues or fantasy booking yeah i agree totally i think the community creations in, in wwe 2k for me is kind of the thing that sort of keeps me coming back, you know, knowing that, you know, a wrestler's debuted in impact or AEW, I can immediately go in within like hours and pick up their attires and move sets and sort of mold the game the way that I want it to, to have it uh, through the, the really hard work that a lot of these people are, are putting in um, to sort of make that, that happen. So without it, the sort of continuing, you know, paywall of these wrestlers coming in, like, that's fine. I'll probably stump up the 15 bucks for the, the new season passes coming out and the maps, okay, like the arenas occasionally. But like, you know, putting FTR behind it, like as I said, putting FTR behind a paywall is not great. Like there's no Samoa Joe. There's no Swerve Strickland and Prince Nana. Like, like they're only just bringing in Tony Storm. Like it's just not a good way to endear yourself to, to fans of the company and, and wrestling in general by sort of drip feeding them like this. Mm-hmm. They blew all their money signing Will Ospreay in real life, I guess. Tony Khan's <laughs> got to find a couple of billions under the couch cushions to keep this moving forward. JP, you've got one that um, was mentioned in the the Voice of the Nation and also one that I thought about putting into my notes. So um, tell me your disappointment for 2020. Yeah, so I didn't go into this year hyping myself for Atomic Heart. It kind of just, the fact that it existed at all took me by surprise, but... Um, once I saw it was coming to Game Pass, I was getting very excited because it's visually, you know, a, a very pretty looking game. The aesthetic of uh, alternate history Russia is quite interesting and unique, and I don't think we've ever seen anything like that before. So, you know, based on the cinematic presentation going into it, I was hoping for like a, as I think you mentioned Bioshock before, but like Bioshock Infinite meets Wolfenstein colossus or something like that and what it was was not anything like that it was Mm. um weird (laughs) it was a weird tone there was a mismatch of humor and seriousness and um just over sexualized uh jokes coming from robots and all kinds of stuff that you just kind of scratch your head you know they had like racist cartoons they had to remove from the game and a whole bunch of um critiques coming around some of the content but mostly it was just it just didn't do it for me you know the the enemy variety was really lacking for as much as i got through the game 
the stealth component didn't quite really feel like it was fully uh, cohesive with everything else that's happening in the game. So it was just really a, a great concept and idea that was half baked in my, in my uh, in my view, and I think most people would agree it did get some really positive reviews. Like I think an eight from IGN and some other quite high um, reviews, but generally I don't recall anyone talking about it after kind of the two or three weeks after it first released and and stirred a bit of um, controversy and news. Yeah, I was a first class ticket holder on the hype train for Atomic Heart when it was announced because it checked all the boxes for me and then when it came to play it those boxes were missing and i'm like oh that's a shame like i'm, I'm happy that it was offset by my game pass subscription yeah. like you touched on but yeah um munfish sold us a, a faulty bill of goods on this one and yeah i'm a bit upset about that because yeah it looked great the concept was awesome but like you said jp was just lacking in so many areas so it's a damn shame because had potential to be a bit of a sort of sleeper hit of 2023 and instead it's a forgotten memory. So yeah, I'm uh, pouring some out for Atomic Heart as well. I didn't finish it. I got got out of it fairly quickly as well. I think I maybe got halfway through and I'm like, you know what? There's better things I can do with my time apart from playing this nonsense. So latest. So I'm jumping out just like I'm jumping out of this talking piece and saying, buddy, what is your biggest gaming disappointments of 2023? Hype and broken promises. My most anticipated game for this year even though I'm a massive Zelda fan, was The Last of Us Factions 2 online, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Here we and go. it was going to be my most anticipated game for next year, for 2024, and just keep rolling over uh, until they finally released it. But um, yeah, I got the sad news earlier on in the week that it has been cancelled. Uh, Naughty Dog did their best to kind of throw out a PR statement that was very well manufactured to kind of make them look like themselves the heroes uh which is yay and nay there's probably uh 50 50 in there of like yeah that's cool we want more single player stuff from you if we had a choice between the single player stuff and you know the online stuff we'll always take the single player stuff no matter how much i like that but there's also another perspective of we could have had both if the scale was kind of dumbed down and you'd listen to the fans of that multiplayer mode and we actually got what we wanted we weren't really asking for too much more and it's more of the scope of sony and and um their games of service model, which I guess we're going to be talking about uh, soon <laughs> as well, and how that kind <laughs> of uh, got out of got out of hand. So the hype and broken promises. Um, I guess you could throw that down into a lot of other stuff that you said before, Brennan, in the kind of the intro about Redfall uh, and its promises, Starfield, you know, being you know game of the year contender and Xbox savior and and whatever that is, <laughs> um, and another other disappointments from the year. So yeah, I feel like uh, we get a lot of that in video games. It was just a year that we got a lot of it yeah it's it's sad to think about you know i i bleed green more than blue if we're going to go the the xbox and the sony battle lines i still love both they're both my fantastic children that i neglect sometimes these days but (laughs) yeah it's a shame that two of the biggest exclusives that we're going to put xbox maybe back on the map or have them in conversation with the excellence as far as sony's portfolio goes was redfall and starfield yeah starfield's like fine i really enjoyed it i think it's a great game it's not a a perfect game by any means but yeah i feel that we were uh over over hyped as we like to to get ourselves into with both of those titles and and they were both enjoyable but just sort of missed the mark and, and xbox is still hanging out in a distant second place which is a shame and and that sort of ties into 
just my overall vibe like my biggest gaming disappointment is like the 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 not the passion maybe the passion is probably the the right way to say it yeah like i've been really struggling this year with games in general like right up until this past year like i'd be playing every single new release i'd be hunting every single triple a i'd be sacrificing sleep and just working my way through all these games but i just don't have that driving me anymore for whatever reason this year where i'm just like you know what i'm just going to start cherry picking things i want to play like we were talking offline i still haven't played a minute of tears of the kingdom i've nearly finished spider-man 2 which is great finally but like even getting into spider-man 2 this year was difficult alan wake's been fun but i've been really erratic with my gaming choices this year and and um it's it makes it tough makes it tough when you host a podcast about video games where you're meant to talk about the latest and greatest I feel like I'm letting myself and the team down sometimes, but at the same time, like, you know what, if I'm not vibing it, I don't want to force myself. So I'm disappointed that I'm playing less than I ever have, but I'm also playing more of just the same stuff. Like Diablo 4 and Fortnite this year have been regular regular guests at my dinner table every single night just about where it's just good escapism. I just have, have to think and I don't have to be enamored with what's going on. It's just a good time killer. So uh yeah, I'm disappointed in myself, boys. Mm. I'm, I'm going uh, introspective here and, and, yeah, taking a shot at myself because my passion, it's uh, that little engine light sort of blinking at the moment. I don't know what to do. Send help. I think you're doing it's okay. It's okay to admit you have a problem. Yeah. You're doing fine, Brendan. It's um, You didn't play Zelda. Like, we knew that you weren't going to play Zelda, so it's not a big deal. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I, I want to I make giant wooden creatures with dicks that are on fire. Like... <laughs> I, I want to get into that absurdity, yeah. but I think I've just seen too much of it to have a, well, not an accurate enough feeling about that game, but I, I just know that, yeah, Zelda isn't a franchise that typically resonates to me. I'll, I'll get into it eventually, but yeah, I feel it's tough when you do these game of the year lists and you feel you need to hit all the big tent poles and yet I've missed a few of them. I'm just like, ooh, someone's taking my game you, a card. You did play uh, a lot of Baldur's Gate 3, Brennan, which was your New Year's resolution. Mm-hmm if I believe correctly. So mm-hmm. that, that's... that's Yes, that is bang on the money. And spoilers, it is my game of the year. So uh, yeah. bearing the lead a little bit there, but yeah, it's it's a good time. All, all I will say is once you strap a rocket to a Korok, your tone will change. It will become <laughs> your game of the year. <laughs> okay, I need, I need to explore this. I'm not sure if that's like a euphemism or... No, it's, it's legitimate. <laughs> Have you guys got any other gaming disappointments you wanted to highlight or shall we jump into the next piece? Let's jump. I think we just... I got a lot of problems with you people. (laughs) Now you're going to hear about it. All right. So the next segment, listeners, is biggest grievance within slash about the gaming industry. And here is the voice of the Apian Nation. The video game industry faces numerous grievances that impact both workers as well as players. The trifecta of crunch, tight deadlines, and public frustration over delays result in toxic work environments and rushed, often subpar games, fostering a fix-it-later mindset amongst companies. The steady stream of layoffs further exacerbate the issue, leaving talented staff without job security in a booming industry that should provide exactly that while also supporting them please unionize. Additionally, practices like season passes and the emphasis on live service models often prioritize monetization over player enjoyment, leaving consumers feeling more pressured to spend more after they already have paid full price. This trend of games as a service is especially contentious when imposed on games that don't require it, leading to a fragmented gaming experience and a very divided community. 
The Game Awards, once touted as the pinnacle of gaming recognition, face criticism for becoming more about celebrity appearances and dick swinging than honouring the hard work of developers and voice actors, giving them little time to embrace their moment of victory while playing second fiddle to Gonzo. And it was also extremely weak by Jeff Keighley, ignoring the plight of thousands laid off in the industry in 2023. Overall, these grievances highlight a need for better practices, fair treatment of employees, and a focus on delivering quality gaming experiences without exploitation or neglect. Ape Nation mic drop, because that was some some great wordage that they've all come together here to provide. And then, you know, ChatGPT added some, and then I've added some other little bits and pieces there to make it flow. But um, I think that's apt. We're going to go back around the room the other way. I'm going to throw it straight to you, buddy as far as if you wanted to sort of add more on top of that or share your grievance within slash about the industry. Yeah, let, let's, yeah, I'll share take some. A, take a deep <laughs> breath. Okay. So I've got a few. i got a few. Yeah, it's all kind of segmented in uh, one word sentences here. So I'll just rattle them off and then I'll go in depth a little bit more. So mm-hmm. the biggest grievance with the industry for me are acquisitions, subscriptions, uh, services, which I feel like are a race to the bottom if we've seen anything to do with, um, you know, the movie and film landscape and the industry there uh physical media dying and becoming dead with best buy obviously canceling dvds xbox brooklyn uh which was leaked to the future consoles having an all digital console future there um sony's games as services and being a little bit directionless and um and then the other one was more about uh, opinions on the gaming industry and uh, more, more of media opinions from big sites creators being i guess tame safe or very homoge- homogeneous Homogenous. Homogenous. Yes. Homogenous. 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 There you go. Oh my god. Yeah, I spelled it wrong. Uh, there we I go. do like homogenous though. Homogenous. Yeah. How, how good's that? Homogenous. <laughs> oh my god. Terrible. And yeah, not not like they're not being enough different angles, spin, or perspective um, given in that kind of landscape. Indie creators also kind of regurgitating uh, that said news or they same opinions without adding of their own opinion or more flair to that as well. And I don't mean just mean like your old man yelling at a cloud outraged at everything um a good recent example has been like second wind uh and they've been a good breath of fresh air like with their podcasts uh cold take flu emblematic and highlighting obscure games and design essays and i didn't really listen to much of their stuff on the escapists but um i find in the second wind and them having the shackles thrown off uh is quite good as well so um yeah some of it being as far as like the game side of it and then the reporting or the content creation or that side of it as well mm-hmm. mm. I think that's all 100% valid. Like I'm, I'm sticking forks in all of those statements because they are done. They are very, very accurate. And yeah, I can't really add much more to that because I think it was succinct. It was great. It was homogeneous, which I think is fantastic. <laughs> Jono, did you want to sort of um, throw in anything additional or sort of add add to add some more context to to some of the things Buddy was saying there? Yeah, I mean, Buddy's done a good job compiling that list together. Uh, we, we can all go home I was, now. But... I was running out of fingers. <laughs> Nah, um, acquisitions, I'm glad you mentioned because I think, especially not to throw Brendan under the bus, but as an Xbox guy, usually the Xbox acquisitions are viewed on the Hungry Gamers as more positives for Microsoft and for getting games on Game Pass, and that's pro consumer and blah, 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 blah. But there's, 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 I guess, there's, you know, there's always the other side, which has been acknowledged that it can lead to, you know, people who don't have both consoles being limited as far as what they can access and you have franchises that have lived on multiple consoles or however you want to see it finally acquired and then made exclusive to to one 
platform. So there, there is there are many issues with that. That's not even getting into like the the more broad. You know, I'm having a, a mind blank. What was the the big trial about ABK acquisition that you covered extensively, Brendan? Oh, you're talking about the, the United Kingdom pushing back on regarding the the cloud based dominance, which was not just really a thing. Just, but yeah, anyway, just all the 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 internal emails and reports that have now been made public because of this acquisition that have you know showed Microsoft's hand in a lot of ways. You know, we saw the reports come out that they wanted to acquire. They're buying Nintendo and Sega. Get ready, boys! <laughs> <laughs> they want you know. Xbox Game Pass on PlayStation and then they don't want it on PlayStation and it's just like it's causing some chaos in the in the in the corporate level of of how these companies work and you know for them to function well they need to be on the same page and and not kind of scrambling to to cover off you know things that they said and and you know you you see people and you have to speculate like are people at Bethesda happy that their games have been kept exclusive and is machine games happy now that indiana jones is going to be exclusive because we're seeing comments that make it look like they were happy back then but now the landscape's changed and maybe they're not so happy because playstation is outselling xbox significantly as far as consoles overall so it's, it's just a very complicated and messy situation that is yeah far more complex than at first seems when the headline comes out that uh you know some developer has been acquired or publisher has been acquired so we don't even have the full like we're going to look back at this in five years and be like oh wow that really was the moment that everything started to change and i hope that it's this you know i can hope with all hope that it doesn't ruin (laughs) what we have because I think there will be like a a golden era that we look back at, which was that PS4, uh, Xbox One, the early days of of the new consoles before everything kind of changed. But that's you know that's that's my perspective as probably more of a PlayStation guy looking at it. I guess. Yeah, the uh, the acquisition thing is terrifying, and you see the inverse of that now, where companies like Embracer are just closing down studios that they've acquired left, right, and center. So on the one hand, you see Sony and, and Microsoft and studios like that doing good things with their their mergers that is yeah very corporate america which is not always mm. the best but then you see embracer where they've just overextended their reach to a capacity now where they've just gotten approval to to offset their tax payment for 12 months where they owe i think it was something like 400 million us dollars in tax that they can't pay right now just due to due to their sort of the breadth of just all these acquisitions have just taken all their cash flow so you see that end where it's it's bad, 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 but I feel there is some optimism with some of the the Sony and Microsoft-based acquisitions. There is some turmoil amongst those purchases too. Don't get me wrong. You, you see about that enough, but I think the emails we saw where Phil Spencer's saying, I want to buy Nintendo. It's like the same as like me sending you guys a message saying, I'm, I'm going to marry Anna Diamas or something. It's just like, find <laughs> the sky, nothing stuff. But if people take that and go, you know what? Phil's an evil man. He's going to take Nintendo. Then he's going to take Bluey. Then he's going to take this and he's going to take that. He's going to take all the things I love. Like, I think it was just more so, you know, what's what's your dream kill list here? What's your dream wish list? And, and Nintendo and, and Sega and stuff like that were on yeah. there. So I don't think I don't think Nintendo is going to be acquired by Microsoft anytime soon. But yeah, uh, yeah it still made you pause for me to go, holy shit, that is some ambition right there. Like that is, that's not just taking the indie studio down the road. That's taking one of the big three, mm. one of the pioneers 
and gobbling it up. Like that's that's uh, that's some big balls there, Mister Spencer. It's taken the top one when Xbox are the bottom one. <laughs> yeah. Like clearly, it's just it's almost it's such an embarrassing. I think I, I, think I said to Tilby when you're if did we cover this story on the Hungry Gamers? I said it's it's like the the nerd in high school being like, yeah, I'm gonna ask the cheerleader to the to the prom. And she's gonna say yes. <laughs> and every, all of his. <laughs> I've watched enough movies to know that that happens, John. So Phil Spencer might take Nintendo to the prom Phil one Spencer. day. Phil Spencer's gonna show up at, the, at her house with a boombox. <laughs> but it's all gonna be playing just the, the Jack Black Bowser song from Super Mario Bros. They, they're gonna get to the prom, and Nintendo's gonna it's gonna turn out that it was a prank, and they were they were paid to do it or something. You know, it was. It was a dare, and, and I've 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 watched enough remakes of Carrie to know that that doesn't end well either. So uh, either way, Nintendo yeah. better just accept the deal yep. and move on. But um, Tilby, what did you want to throw into this broader discourse? Because I think Buddy's throrin' a lot of good points mm. here that overlap with some of our things, and then we can sort of circle back to things that maybe you, you or Jono haven't covered as well. Well, I mean, I. I was definitely more discussing things that you've already mentioned as well. Like you mentioned the Game Awards being just a massive uh, wank fest um, of an awards show. Like you can't really call it an awards show anymore given the 30 seconds that people got and the please wrap it ups Mm -hmm. that everyone was being given for their speeches. And like how dare you give a please wrap it up to Neil Newbon when he's addressing victims of sexual assault just so that you can go to Gonzo. And tell him and make like jokes about like video games and things like that. How dare you? Absolutely disgraceful behavior. And it, it just really goes to show that I think they definitely need to make a some sort of winter games fest, at least on the other side of like Jeff's summer games fest, because you need to be able to separate the celebrities and, and game announcements from the hardworking individuals who are putting their careers and their livelihoods on the line just to make the things that we enjoy and the things that we play without a moment's hesitation. It's just such a, an absolute farce. Um, and it was really prevalent this year and, and I just couldn't hide it. Like Jono and, and, and Brendan definitely saw my disappointment in our, in our hoop dreams chat. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just a, a really sort of like underhanded approach to the whole thing. Not a mention for like this, apparently now what, 10,000 people who have lost a job this it's, year. It's over. Yeah, it's getting close to 10,000 people have been let go this year in 2023 alone, which is terrifying to think about. Not not a single peep about that or sort of like a, a very sort of underhanded let's play both sides sort of thing at the start of the, the show and apparently leaked um, you know, PR notes that anyone who was ex- accepting an award wasn't able to talk about Palestine and, and all that sort of stuff and, and not show their sort of support for things like that. Like it just doesn't make that much sense. Um, the other thing really I, I thought like, and you've mentioned it as well is the Embracer group, like just the whole saga of them just chewing up companies and spitting them out and laying people off when they just didn't have the chance. I think the straw broke for me when they, let uh, or they sort of closed Free Radical, um, who had literally only come back as a company to make a new Time Splitters game, and they hadn't even had the chance to release it, and they've shut it down. And that was the the point for me where I was like, "This is verging on unnatural. This is verging on near criminal." Um, and I guess just one at the end, you did mention Bluey. I think the the fact that a Spanish shovelware studio was given the rights to make the Bluey official video game instead of a potentially hardworking Australian yeah. 
studio who could have done the the show justice i think is a real shame like i know that it's based on like the bbc who i think now own the rights to bluey and can probably distribute those sorts of things out for everyone but yeah it, it's just not fun because the, the game itself is not great like i i out of curiosity i've played it a little bit and it's not up to i platinumed it twice it's very no, short it's, not, it's a it's a quick platinum <laughs> i played it with my kid you know that's fair ps4 ps5 double plat you know uh, i want to i want to i want to jump on what Tilby was saying about the game awards and i think it's it's like becoming time that we treat it for what it is which is the mtv movie awards of uh of the games industry we, it gets this reverence because it looks so glitzy and glamorous with the presentation and the celebrities and everyone watches it, but we need to start treating the dice awards and the BAFTAs with more reverence and attention, I think, because mm-hmm. they are awards shows that aren't decided by the media outlets that we're constantly complaining about. Um, so why not treat them with that respect and get, people to tune into that i know people aren't tuning in because there's no trailer reveals and there's no you know appearances from hideo kojima to announce what he's working on and stuff like that which makes the game awards a spectacle and and somewhat fun to to sit through if that's what you're interested in and i think a lot of people are based on the ratings you know it does better as far as streaming than probably a lot of of mainstream awards shows but it's not what we've built it up to be i think and we yeah I, I think for everyone that's out there saying they need to let the developers have more than 30 seconds to speak and they need to have them all come up on stage and give them the respect they deserve watch the baftas watch the dice awards or try to anyway um and let's let's talk more about them when we do our podcast content and and you know does anyone know what one game of the year at the baftas i don't because it's you know it, it just doesn't get the same attention and that's like a classy group of of uh you know it's, it's a classy academy the baftas like it's it's, it's, I, it's I the glitz I, and the glamour like i can't i can't take the baftas seriously sometimes because they literally call bluey one of the 60 best games of 2023 yeah no comment <laughs> well, John, <I> <laughs> twice, so you're probably arguing with the wrong man so so vampire survivors won game of the year last year at the baftas that's a surprise honestly <laughs> and they've just announced their nominees for 2023 for the game of the year and let me just try and dig through this because there is a lot of bloat in this article hogwarts legacy is there uh final fantasy 16 zelda tears of the kingdom Alan Wake 2, Spider-Man 2, and Baldur's Gate 3. So pretty yeah. similar to the to the Game Awards, really. Yeah. Just missing Super Mario Wonder and um, Resident Evil 4, and instead we get Hogwarts. Mm. Which was yeah. not a great game. <laughs> uh Hogwarts is fine. Brendan and I both enjoyed our time with it, I think, but uh we weren't allowed to talk about it. The industry in general wasn't allowed to talk about it. That's that's the, my that's a grievance I have with uh the industry is pretending like a good game isn't a good game because you don't like the person whose IP it's based on. But um, I didn't write that down. So let's talk about what I wrote down, which is <laughs> the triple... No, let's, let's unpack that, John. Let's unpack that. 
The AAA obsession with games as a service. I think Buddy touched on this, but um, I and I and I definitely spoke about this when uh, Tilby and I covered the Bungie layoffs. But the idea that games need to live forever and have a three or five year relevancy is absurd to me as someone that isn't necessarily a big fan of that style of game and misses when a game could just come out and you play it and it's really fun and then you move on to the next thing and they just seem to when i say they i mean the triple a publishers seem to think that that's not a viable thing to aim for anymore we've seen this from uh square enix with the marvel avengers game that could have just been a really great you know campaign multiplayer campaign but i had to have these elements tacked onto the end that didn't stick uh we've seen it with the retooling of suicide squad killed justice league and uh most notably the the death of the last of us part two online or oh factions God, stop, or whatever we're calling stop it mentioning it you're killing him <laughs> i have to mention this because and, and buddy being here is proof of this the, the the version of online that they made in the first game still has people playing it 10 years later and that wasn't good enough for the last of us part two in 2019 they announced we're gonna keep online out of this game and make it its own thing and that didn't happen and we saw a big uh, naughty dog event that showed off where it's going to take place and blah 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 blah. how much how much further into development did this game actually get how much time was wasted that one of the best studios we have could have been working on something else and we know they have been working on other things in the background but how much money was wasted how much resources wasted um, did PlayStation buy Bungie just to assist with their games as a service uh, strategy? I know it wasn't just for that, but how much of it was for that reason? And um, whether that's being mismanaged or not, it's another topic altogether. But you, you talk about the statement before, buddy, about um, Naughty Dog making themselves out to be the hero. It did kind of come across like it's Sony versus Naughty Dog, and Naughty Dog stood up for themselves and said, "No, we're not going to make, we're not going to be a uh, multiplayer studio. We're going to commit to single player, and that is good." But it shouldn't have got to this point. They should have just, whether it's their fault or Sony, they should have just been allowed to make the game as they were comfortable with, as they had done in the past. But it turned into this thing that you know. Not only is it not up to scratch with uh, what it's been in the past, but it has to live forever. It has to be whatever Bungie considers as a viable five-year, you know, beginning to finish trajectory. Like it's it's freaking. Here's a question uh, for you, though. The division or something, huh? It's a question for you, though. Like, would you rather a game that continually? puts out updates and you know potential monetization in, in a way or would you rather the ea sports method of a new game coming out literally every single year like that's basically I mean, a, what we're getting a, in this point it's a different thing though because sports don't change there's not a narrative component of sports it's not a different setting to explore in sports games i think sports games could benefit from going games as a service definitely but that's not the last of us <laughs> and it's not you know fallout like fallout 76 to me shouldn't exist like i just don't think that that <laughs> should even exist <laughs> it's not that bad but like i see i'm i 
there aren't a lot of people that love Fallout more than I do, and I can't even get into it. And I know that's a me thing because that's because I'm not a game as a service multiplayer kind of guy. But I've tried to go back to that, and I just come back feeling empty every time. So I, I know I'm not the only one. I know that a lot of people have tried that game and gotten almost nowhere with it. Um, and that's just another example where I think that's, and buddy, I'd, I'd like to know what you think about this, but not everything needs to be that way. Like give me the division three or whatever. And, and I'll, I'll, that, that can be my game as a service or whatever, but I don't need, I don't want to play it for three years. I'll play it for a few months and then I'll dip out. And if most people play it, for you know, three to six months, that should be enough. It shouldn't have to be like, you know, they're just squeezing every last drip of juice out of it. Um, and and even going back about twelve months to the Ubisoft Forward event from last year, almost every single thing they revealed was multiplayer or game as a service or mobile. And I was just sitting there like, where are the single player narrative games that? Yeah. Are Where's so Beyond many Good and Evil Two? Where's that gone? <laughs> It'll be a game as a service when it finally comes out. <laughs> oh, it'd be No Man's Sky with pig pilots. Like that's that's pretty much what it's going to be if that happens. But yeah, what what do you reckon, buddy? As as Jono mentioned and alluded to, he uh, he wants your thoughts on uh, on that talking point as well. Thing is, games do live forever, and so do movies. Like we're watching movies from the nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties, and they hold up now. Uh, just as much as they did back then because they're story-driven and they're based. The the closer we get to games as services and keeping updating and having this multiplayer cycle of new content, battle pass, you know, microtransactions, all that kind of stuff coming in, It's that none of that speaks to creating the art of a video game. It speaks to making the money from a video game and then that's completely lost. So, um, you know, those games could live forever as well. Like I'm still playing factions, right? It's not like I don't mm-hmm. play multiplayer games. I love factions. I like Apex. I haven't played that for a long time. Fortnite continues to be its kind of own thing and be quite popular and be a part of the zeitgeist and have enough variation into it that it kind of has these moments that you kind of had to be there, almost like a sporting event, whereas like where were you when that map dropped or that event was in Fortnite? I think with the sports games, they do a really good job of like just reiterating just enough each year and roster changes where that fan base is used to migrating over to the next game and their online base is already there. Whereas uh, some of the other stuff you know, like factions, you know, it, it doesn't, doesn't have that or uh, they always need the pressure to put something in. But if you create something unique enough uh, in a multiplayer aspect, then it, it can live with forever without that games of service kind of model or anything. So um I always look at it like the Fallout 76 that you just said there. Does it have enough DNA of the Fallout game and the gameplay loop where a Fallout fan would want to play it and keep mm. playing it regardless of it got updated? Because if they did do that and it didn't get updated, maybe then there is cause to keep updating it and keeping it fresh. Uh, you know, I'm playing a game that's 10, 10, 11 years old and it has enough DNA in the multiplayer aspect from the single player stuff where it's unique and engaging and can live. But uh, yeah, like I was saying, the kind of losing the whole DNA of what it is when it's just like, okay, we are making a game to make money or to keep updating. You're losing the vision of the the art. If uh, video games want to be taken seriously, then it's just like a you no know, different to a poker machine or uh, being in a casino, right? I think uh, Jono tossed that ball up in the air for you to hit, and you didn't go for the bunt. You t- <laughs> over 
Over the fence. It was anime, anime volleyball. He spiked it up. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was a perfect. Not even a rebuttal. I think that was just a flow on from that question, that discussion. Like I, I agree completely. Like video games, art, whether it be live and updated tomorrow, next year, next decade, whatever else. Like it shouldn't have to be always the new new. It shouldn't always be the latest and greatest. I think you can appreciate something today, and you can appreciate that same thing in 2033 2043 etc cetera, etc cetera, if it's good but it's obviously relative and the problem is that like spins back around to what i was saying first uh, about the acquisitions subscriptions the race at the bottom physical media dying they all kind of flow one into the other my big problem with xbox being um the one that acquired um activision blizzard is their model and their future is no discs no did uh, and all subscriptions don't own anything, right? We look at a PS4, can't play PS3 discs, either can a PS5. Um, if there was enough game preservation, you know, as movies, well, movies is losing that as well. But if we could access something from 1980s and 1990s, we could just download it and play it on a Nintendo console. If I could just log into my Nintendo right now and buy Nintendo 64 game or GameCube game outside of subscription, they can live on forever, older games, mm. more than what they can, and they can generate you revenue but they just want to have their cake and eat it and put everything behind subscription services or not making it accessible so yeah i think there's just one vicious cycle and circle that they're trying to milk and i sit i think on both sides of that fence like i i like having physical meter i like having physical things on the shelf that i can take off and watch or read or, or touch but i also like to know that i've got everything in a subscription where i can be light and lean and just have a console and have all these games at my disposal and i guess i guess the main hurdle we face with the, the legacy stuff is just the licensing. They don't want to re-up to potentially pay for licensing to port something from several gens onto, onto latest because, like you said, it all ties into the focus and desire to make money. And it's easy for them to just uh, yeah make these live games as opposed to bring out these old classics and uh, uplift to, to current gen. But, yeah, it's something we're going to talk about every year i think like we can jump into festivals next year next decade and these same hit points will be on our docket i am very very certain of that but is there any other grievances related to the industry that you'll wanted to air or should we move into the next segment of this little old podcast and now as festivus rolls on we come to the feats of strength all right Jono. so i'm going to throw the hosting duties over to you here because um as is tradition with festivus there is a segment it happens in Festivus called the Feats of Strength. So myself, Buddy, and Matt will be going against one another in some game. We don't really know what's happening, how it's going to happen. So John is going to explain that to us. And we're going to see who wins the Feats of Strength. We don't know what the prize is. Maybe we can win the fabled Festivus poll. I don't know how that's going to translate on audio. But um, yeah, if the winner wants a nice shiny Festivus poll to hold, I can certainly make that happen. Read into that as you will. But Jono... The floor is yours. All right. Feats of strength. What's stronger than uh, a few, you know, three guys tossing each other around in a ring? <laughs> this is a triple threat match. <laughs> get greased up, get into your tights, because we're going to enter the world of wrestling once again. But it's not AEW. It's the way I roll. We're talking uh, WWE slash WCW superstars of the uh, 90s or 80s, I guess, if you want to go back even mm-hmm. further. But um, 
we're going to remix an old favourite on The Hungry Gamers, which is the Cameo Game, uh, copyright to Matt Tilby. Yeah. We're playing the Brendan style, where we're gonna, I'm going to give you seven people this time. You're going to rate rank them in order from uh, who charges the most for their Cameo message to a fan to who charges the least for their video message to a fan. And I also want the dollar estimate for the highest and the and the lowest of of your seven and whoever's closest will get a bonus point and you might need that bonus point so um okay lord okay i'm i'm ready i've wrote i've written some notes there just so i don't forget how this is going to be scored i'm pretty good so you've got seven wrestlers you're going to send our way from the 80s and 90s we're going way back not even like the attitude oh i guess we get a fringe of the attitude era potentially but yeah the they were all around for the Attitude Era, I would say, at least. Um, so, kicking it off, we have best-selling author, hardcore legend, and my favorite personality in wrestling, Mick Foley. Mm-hmm. Next is Nature Boy, but not a very good person, Ric Flair. Ugh. Kevin Nash, a.k.a. Diesel, a.k.a. Big Sexy, a.k.a. Shredder from TMNT Movies. Kevin Nash is an expensive one because he's going to pay for quad surgery. <laughs> <laughs> and Ric Flair has to pay for hush money for all the sexual assaults. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's it. Uh, you might be onto something there. So Kevin Nash's much less powerful friend, X-Puck. Oh, got... Sean Waltman? That's him. Next is yoga extraordinaire and star of Ready to Rumble, Diamond Dallas Page or DDP. My all-time favorite wrestler, Kurt Angle. And you might know him from The Simpsons or as a victim from the Montreal Screwjob, Brett the Hitman Hart. That is okay. That's, that's a That's some heavy hitters there, Jono. Yeah. So rank them from lowest to highest. And when you're ready, I'll get you to read them out to me from lowest to highest. And you can give me some of your reasoning, but we don't have all day, so don't go into detail on every single one. Uh, the victor will be declared by who has the most correct. Okay. I guess whoever gets their order sorted first will just throw the hand up and, and talk it through. Yeah. So who's, who's ready to go? I'm close. This is tough. This is so tough. It's tough. And you only it's, want it's you only want a, a monetary value for the lowest and highest. For the lowest and highest. Otherwise, we'll be here all day. I mean, we've we've already been here all day. All night. All right. I, I think I'll I'll throw the hat in the ring. All right. Let's go, Brendan. I'll type him out as you go. Okay. So my cheapest. Mm-hmm. I've got X Park in the the cheapest slot, the okay. dunces position. How much? How many and dollars? I, Australian I've dollars, by the way. No, I've got him at 99. I'm going 99. All right. And then the next cheapest, I've got DDP. I figure he's got a pretty successful yoga hustle going on at the moment. doesn't need to rely too heavily on Cameo. I'm going Mick Foley in the three spot because he is more of a, a giving individual. He, he uh, appeared in some little indie league dressed as Santa just on the weekend. So, uh, uh, yeah, he's always given back. Uh, in the fourth spot, I've got Kevin Nash. He's still got a little bit of celebrity, still doing some acting, but he's getting pretty old. He was in um, Magic Mike, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. buddy. Yeah, he was too. All right. 
Good call. In the five spot, Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. In the sixth spot, I've got Kurt Angle, and then I've got Ric Flair as the most expensive. And I'm going to say for Ric Flair, like um, 1100 bucks. Ooh, that's a big one. Yeah, you, what are you thinking? Like, he doesn't know how to use his phone, so it's, he's going to really need <laughs> <laughs> He's going to really need that, to. But also, also, I've looked at enough cameos over the years, and especially this year with, with through THG, is you get these outliers where there is some that are four figures, and usually the higher end of the spectrum, they're anywhere from 1,000 to even like thirteen to 1,400. So I'm going to say he's not at the high, high point, but he's he's right there. So 1,100 bucks for the Nature Boy. Woo! All right. Who's next? All right, I'll As go. Uh, Goldberg would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent cameo. Um, much like Brendan, I started with X Park. I went with uh, twenty dollars. Uh, okay. For for his cameo. <laughs> Just keep it on the low side. Twenty bucks. That's like what twelve American dollars. <laughs> Yeah, I'm drunk in the valley and I'm going to order pizza. I'm like, fuck it, I might get a cameo from X-Pac. <laughs> X-Pac, what should I get on my kebab? He probably have some good answers for you. Yeah, um, I also went with DDP in the next one. Um, mm-hmm. At number three, I went Kurt Angle. Um, number four, I went Kevin Nash. Number five, I went Mick Foley. Number six, I went Bret Hart. And much like Brendan, I also went Ric Flair as the highest, and I think it's fifteen hundred. Okay, okay. Mm. My list is very similar to yours, actually, Tilby. And you know, down the bottom, it's pretty similar. All right, let's let me know when you're ready, Jono. Let's do it. All right, I got X Pack at the bottom as well. Uh, I got a hundred bucks. Uh, I got DDP once again. The yoga, the giving, the care. I've got Nash down the bottom because maybe just not a lot of people care about Kevin Nash now. Uh, at number four, I've got Kurt Angle. We actually purchased a cameo from Kurt Angle for one of our workmates who got promoted and left the store. And I think it was only like 150 bucks AU. It was pretty cheap. Okay. And he turned it around with 24 hours. Um, so that was a cool video to surprise him as uh, one of his favorite wrestlers of all time. Uh, in three, I've got like Foley. Uh, number two, I've got Bret Hart because maybe he's just bitter and trying to recoup so much money um, <laughs> from being bitter, whether it's rightfully or not rightfully so. Uh, and then, yeah, number one, I've got Ric Flair at the top. I went pretty low. Um, I went $300. I okay. don't really know how much cameos are, and I'm using kind of Kurt Angle as a, as a, as a guide because I thought he would be a big star. And I felt like a lot of the podcasters should be in the middle down the bottom because they're going lower because they've got more reach and they want people who like to kind of pump them out more. Volume-based. Volume-based. Yeah. Whereas Flair's got okay. kind of nothing and old man and that kind of reputation and the same with Hart being an older wrestler. So that was kind of my thought process uh, there. Foley, he has more accolades, so I wanted him up the top, up the top as well. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, Brendan, I have to ask you a point of clarification. Should we be playing prices right rules for the prices? Where if you're over, you bust? Yeah. If you want to. I, I, I like Price is Right, and I can't like pivot now for my own benefit. So I'll say, yeah, Price is Right rules. Okay, okay. Um, let's have a look here. I'm just going to crunch some numbers. And... All right. <clears throat> uh, X-Puck was... You guessed $99, didn't you, Brendan? Mm-hmm. And Buddy's coin was 100 right? Oh, no. <laughs> okay. 
All right, so Chilby went with like twenty, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm safe. Like, I'm not going over. That's for sure. Yeah. I don't have to worry okay, about so it. Here is the correct order. The lowest of our entries comes from Mick Foley at $148. Oh, I went very, well under very, that. Very competitive price there, I think, for the hardcore legend. Yeah. Uh, next, the next lowest, you all said DDP. Um, it's actually Kurt Angle at 149 which as Buddy said, was pretty much spot on with your memory, but uh, not quite as high as most of you had. Next in the list, you guys didn't give him enough respect. It's X-Puck. He's asking for 179 Australian. They can God. suck it if he wants that price. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I watched China suck it in that homemade porno that they did. <laughs> Seventh wonder of the world. Okay. Uh, in peace. Next was Diamond Dallas Page who asks for $222. The third highest was actually Brett the Hitman Hart at $224. Next was Kevin Nash, $298. And you all guessed the number one spot, which was Ric Flair. He's asking for $745. That's yuck. it? Oh yuck. my god. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely yuck. So, so Tilby and I busted on Ric Flair. Yes. And um, Don't phrase it like I, that. I know please. nobody got X-Puck for the lowest, but uh, uh, Buddy did get the closest for the price for the lowest person, which was 100 to Mick Foley's 148. So I'm going to have to declare Buddy the winner, even though he only got Ric Flair correct uh and brendan did get rick flair and brett the hitman heart correct so on a technicality buddy has won uh with a low blow right in front of the referee (laughs) (laughs) look lose if you must but always cheat yeah i gotta say i noticed it's, it's these wcw wrestlers asking for all the money here because yeah, they didn't get paid, the, they went bankrupt, yeah. man. They lost all the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah all the old boys just chasing that cash. Mm. Yeah, the, the lowest go. one, the lowest one I could find of note for, for me was Rhino at sixty dollars. Um, oh, so that's a shame. you know they're asking for for a pretty penny some of these guys, but um, it can be like you said, buddy, very worth it to get something from a uh, a near and dear figure from the youth Brendan, myself and a few other people in 8-Bit chipped in to get Cruzy a Matt Hardy message for his 30th birthday a few years back and Sick. he didn't disappoint that was that was pretty pretty well done from Matt, speaks very well it was very affirming uh, and I think it meant a lot to Cruzy so yeah, if, if you're wondering for a, uh, a creative Christmas gift and you've got to the last minute without getting anything Mick Foley, $148. Or Al Snow, yeah. $70. Boys, my, my birthday's coming up in February. Look, if there's a particular baseball player, you might want to um, see. No one can afford a Shuhei Atari <laughs> cameo. 
Well, he's not getting paid the big bucks until the end, so maybe yeah, we yeah. can. He'll just defer the payment until the end of his contract, so it'll be fine. That's right. It'll be fine. That'll be nice. We can pay the, for the cameo in a decade's time. That works. That <laughs> and works. If, and if anybody wants one from me, uh, 20 bucks, uh, reach out to me on Twitter, BuddyWatson12. It's basically just me saying, hashtag, and whatever game you want, game of the year, insert year. <laughs> and a bolt of year. Because yeah, now that uh, Factions 2 is not going to be there, you're not going to sort of be conflicting emotionally with, with your actual game of the year. You'll just... Uh, Sell that to the highest bidder. I love that. I That's love right. that. All right. We're going to move forward now into the biggest grievance about the Hungry Gamers slash 8-Bit. And the voice of the nation is as follows. The absence of Ali, the salt and pepper senpai is fine, but the queen of sass has left a big void in our hungry, hungry hearts. Even though you've gotten a lot better with delivering what you say, we still missed out on more 8-Crit and the Hungry Game show. Those early promises were exciting but sadly didn't amount to anything yet. Video content was great as well, but that has also dropped off as of recently. Maybe short form video is the way forward, question mark. There was also an extreme lack of made related outfits. So the main ones was constantly, and it's it's what we've been hearing every year since our arrival in this podcast space is video, 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 video. And yeah, we, we had some some ambitions to do a few things this year with 8Crit as well as uh, the Hungry Game Show, which which didn't occur. So I'm going to get ahead of the masses here. I'm going to jump in first and say, yep, video is still a big problem all these years on. And same as social media. I have a real love-hate with social media. I am on it out of necessity and not by choice, it feels like a lot of the time. So posting updating making little highlights and all that for what we do here on the reg is something i'd like to do but i just don't have the emotional capacity to do that a lot of the time so it just doesn't happen so um yeah please don't be mad it's just i i hate social media and (laughs) i keep saying on social media someone please come edit these podcasts someone please come make this stuff for us because i think there's good stuff there's there's a good mine to, to dig here for some stuff that we could do, but it just ain't happening. So I'm sorry. I make these promises with the best intentions and I don't deliver. I'm a horrible liar, but it is what it is. So I'm going to go hide. <laughs> it, it takes a lot of energy to constantly promote something and to constantly be thinking of fresh ideas for video. Anyone that does it successfully with any level of creativity have to give respect to um, they're probably a lot younger than us, Brendan, and with more ambition. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, the youths, Jono. It is, but let's be let's be real. Like w- like eight bit is at this point. It's been through many iterations, and at this point, it is what it is. We're not trying to take over the world. We're just trying to kind of carve out a space in in you know our community. We want people to tune in, have a good time, maybe get informed, have a laugh hear some food puns from Brendan. We're not trying to become rooster teeth or anything. So we're not cranking out all this stuff. And there's not many of us here anymore. We're kind of dying off as far as like regular contributors and myself included. Like, you know, we grow up, we have kids, we have families, we get married, we discover anime and dedicate our entire life to it. And that (laughs) takes up a lot of time. Oh! Accurate. It takes up takes up a lot of time. How how are you supposed to edit a video when you're watching an anime? Like it's just it's it's a juggle that's not possible. 
especially if it's uh, subbed only because I've got to give it my full attention. If it's dubbed, I can do the edit at the same time. But if it's sub only, I'm locked and loaded watching these poor little Japanese children deal with all these hardships in high school with love and romance and drama and demons that are about to abuse and assault somebody. So, yeah, it's not easy. Not easy. But um, I appreciate those words. Should I go on with mine? It's semi. It's semi related. Um, I'll take you back to January seventh, twenty twenty three, almost a year ago, to be honest. And um, notorious anime lover Brendan White convinced notorious apathetic anime non watcher <gasps> Jono Peck to sit down and watch an anime for his new podcast, More Than Hentai. Which I did, and I was enthusiastic, and I was eager to help this new podcast get off the ground. And that episode has not aired, and I can't help but feel <laughs> like I was nothing but an audition for Brendan White to get his legs under him for a new podcast. Jono, sometimes pilots don't make the air for TV shows. Exactly. Like, I was the pilot. I was. I was like guest the guest that got recast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you were episode one guest got recast. Oh man, I, I was. Um, it was like when the first episode of Seinfeld and Kramer was called Kessler. That I, I, I'm Kessler, and I got replaced very quickly. Uh, and I, I have to wonder: was it me? Was I the problem? Was Brent? Was it? <laughs> Was it because I was critical and I didn't like the podcast that Brendan picked, and, you can't and that would have now. undermined You've... his entire strategy for this whole? You have to answer him. Premise now, of this show, <laughs> or was Brendan not quite confident in uh, his delivery, the sh- the flow of the show? You know, new segments coming out in the weeks to come. Brendan, this is your chance to clear the air. All right. <clears throat> The, the very short version is that there, the podcast changed a lot in the subsequent like two episodes I recorded like a week later. So I've been trying to edit it in a way to make it flow and fit because oh, there's segments that, are, that would be missing now in this episode that is now coming out at episode 21 he's, instead of episode He's trying one. to polish the turd is what he's saying. Yeah, so I've I've got an edit that's like 70% done, but anytime mm. I listen to it, I'm not completely happy with it. And it's not on you. I, I like that there was some negative spin. <laughs> it's just there was some things that were said in there at the time too when things had changed within broader life, some people mm-hmm. that were mentioned at the time. So I parked it for a bit there because I'm like, oh, that's yeah, potentially that. delicate too. So I'm like... Maybe Understood. I'll put this on the shelf, but it's still there. And I look at it every time I open up the the MTH folder to edit these these unfinished episodes, and I see it looking at me every <laughs> single time. But I, it's gotten to the point where I need to say, Jono, I need to bring you back in yes. to give the last word presented by our fantastic friends at JapanCrate.com. Use eight bit fifteen to check out fifteen percent off and free Such delivery. Such a shield! Oh my god! Because that part's not there, like it just the the episode doesn't flow like all the others. So I need you to come back in and give me a last word. I'm, I'm willing, now that this has been acknowledged, I'm willing to scrap it. We can scrap it and we can do another one and it can be the yes. lost episode. Every great podcast needs to have the lost episode. Um, okay. But I just, uh, I just got uh, I just got a $20 direct transfer from Jono. Oh, yeah, I, I can do that for you, Jono. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag release the Jono cut. <laughs> yeah. Ah, cool. <laughs> there you go. 
It will it will come out one day. We definitely need okay. to do another one, but it will come out one day. It's just I'm very critical with content a lot of the time, and if it's not exactly how I want it to be or as close as it can be, I just spiral and just don't know what to do with it. And that's where I'm at with this episode, to be honest. And it's not that the conversation was bad. It's just it doesn't fit in with the flow of all the other episodes now. I get it. I get it. It's okay. I'm sorry, Jono. <laughs> the second I saw January 7th, I, I had a feeling what it might be, but I wasn't completely sure. So I, I came in blind to that one. <laughs> but thanks. That was justified. Uh, Tilby, over to you, my man. Yeah, well, look, I, I was going to say uh, I'm kind of sad that the residencies might be ending because uh, this has been a, a, a fun mishmash of, of personalities and, and content for throughout the Hungry Gamers over the past uh, what, six to eight months, definitely. Like, obviously... Getting the chance to riff with you boys once again um, after, what, three years away from the couch um, has been really good. And obviously getting Buddy in here as well, it, it, it's sort of like a, the the sort of alternate universes of, of you know, podcasting communities in, in, in Australia. It, it's good to just have that sort of opportunity to talk some shit with you boys and, and sort of really have some fun. But, um, you know, I, I think the, the sort of, I, I was going to say it was fun and then I we had this uh this complete and utter sort of mayhem that's occurred just now and I'm I'm not sure it's it is a good uh, a bad well, I'm not sure it's a bad thing that the, the residencies are ending um it's, I mean, it's probably do you know a, do you know something that we don't know Tilby because from as far as I can tell there's still no permanent co-host so I, I just thought that they would continue Brendan what's what's happening yeah, now we're all just gonna put. We're just gonna fire at, at Brendan. This is the the Q and A. To, to be honest, I have no idea what's happening. I'm still trying to work that out. It's the story of my life, and yeah, I I don't know what's happening with 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 this and the residency and what will happen in 2024. But I'll report back the second I do. Very good, very good, buddy. Buddy, this, yeah. This is this is straight fire. This was tough because uh, grievance about the hungry game is. 8-bit, I was like, okay, what do I have a grievance about? And a long, long time ago when I was a part of 8-bit, I definitely had like a list of things that I thought could improve 8-bit as as a whole, which is funny to look back from 2019, a lot of those kind of, they've been like implemented. So I was like, what do I not like about 8-bit? And then I'm like thinking about my residency and uh, that's, when, that's when it clicked. The one thing that kind of made my mind kind of click over uh, each episode that I've been on, that the, that the show is sponsored by a refreshing beverage named after a mid-30s virgin unemployed person who lives in his mum's basement, psychopath, that I had to endure for multiple years. So that's probably the only thing that kind of like flips a switch in my brain. Oh, no. um, there goes the sponsorship like money. Uh. But it's weird because I actually want to try the beverage now and I've like been looking at it when I go to Woolworths. I'm like, this would be good for the memes, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be good for the memes? So I'm actually closer to to buying and trying one now. So maybe lean into the memes. I reckon. Not thank you, but yeah, maybe I'll man with your video. Listen, if you are uh, <laughs> for twenty dollars uh, to Buddy Watson twelve at, uh, I can drink one, put it down, and then hashtag your favorite game of the year. If anything, what we should <laughs> I, I'm going to do that what? after this. <laughs> no, no, no. What we should be doing is actually paying homage to the uh, fake Dash that we met at PAX this year. He was a genuinely lovely human being, James. Um, if you're out there listening, James, uh, we love your work and we're sorry for ruining your weekend. <laughs> yeah, he was great. I almost headbutted a stranger, so 
Yeah. (laughs) Buddy, I actually think of it every time it gets brought up as well. But uh, so I'm glad it's not just me. It's me too. Like I I live and breathe this liquid. And every time (laughs) I get a can out, like a little piece of my heart breaks away or a little singular (laughs) tear down the cheek because I'm like, you're so delicious, but you're so emotionally bad for me but i just can't quit you i'm in like a a very hard unhealthy relationship with these cans but they're they're so great you know no calories no sugars no sweeteners just fantastic fantastic refreshment they're, but, uh, they're not gonna sponsor dash you water, love you <laughs> stay refreshed stay refreshed all right we're gonna move into what was something you experienced in 2023 that was so bad it was good it's a festivus miracle and the nation says as follows. In 2023, we were fortunate enough to experience several instances emerging where things were so bad that they became oddly enjoyable. Leading the pack were two video game adaptations, possibly more on the bad side of a really, 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 really bad coin. But the Ape Nation was surprisingly pro-Golem and Kong Skull Island. Mm. Was it due to both studios clearly mailing it in or perhaps being out of their depth, somehow managing to even fumble their press release apology? (laughs) Or is it the memeiness of both titles that sparked a massive possible selling point? Who knows? But either way, they're the cherry on top of this disaster Sunday, which is sprinkled with servings of AFL 23, the release of Overwatch 2, the Flash movie and its spotty CGI. Shout out to Nicolas Cage. The Last of Us Part 1's PC release. Enough said there. Jeff Keighley's obsession with Hideo Kojima and Starfield allowing players to fill an entire spacecraft full of cheese should they choose. Mortal Kombat 1 somehow getting ported to the Nintendo Switch. Call of Duty continuing to be, in quotes, a bad game with a campaign that takes the same amount of time that Jono takes to devour a dozen delicious chicken wings. Redfall also staked many an Xbox fan right in the heart. Enjoyable with friends, but fairly miserable alone. Microsoft's first big exclusive of 2023 missed the mark but it was still kind of okay question mark so we're getting a lot of game discourse there shout out to the the reference to some chicken wings it made me immediately hungry when i saw that but um there's some similarities and vibes there i'd say with people on this podcast um so i'm just going to throw it straight over to mr tilby Tell me about your what's so bad in 2023 was actually kind of good. Yeah, look, you mentioned it there, Kong, Skull Island and Gollum, just this absolute race to the bottom of games that were just absolutely, I'm astonished that they even made it to the the proof of concept phase for both of them. The Walking Dead Destinies was also, deserves to be A in that late list contender. too. A late yeah. contender for me. But is it actually any good? Like, I looked at that too and I'm like, it's just so bad that it's so bad. Well, yeah. I, I, I'm yeah. talking as far as games. Like, this, this year is like some of the best games ever. And then there's like three or four that are just like absolutely, you know, life of, life of Black Tiger or whatever. Like, it's just absolute bottom of the barrel. How did this happen? <laughs> like, I, I've, I've admitted that like I want to kind of play kong for the memes um and having watched a considerable chunk of it uh like other streamers and and people playing it um risking their mental health to do so um (laughs) it it looks like a ps2 game there's there's still images in in place of like actual movement where it shouldn't be necessary and 
like if you obviously like there's the big scene in in kong where the raptor attacks and it's just like a, a still image placed <laughs> in front and it's it just that, that's that's the image of the year for me right there it's it's the best yeah, it just ruins the entire flow and, and sort of intrigue in the game entirely but it's like i kind of want to see how bad it is and i know that i'll hate myself for doing it later but yeah look there were just some absolutely just insanely dog shit games this year and amidst all of the sort of hype and success of the big games you know we're seeing the the sort of smaller games coming out um even backed by these rather large ips that are falling well well below the mark very justified i do want to play some kong skull arm but i didn't want to spend a cent on it if if i can get my hands on a, a free copy somehow some way I want to try it just to see how rough it is. But there is many a rough game. Many, 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 many a rough game. Um, I'm going to throw this over to Mr. Buddy Watson, who's still uh, smoldering about Dash. But um, it's a delicious can. I'm drinking the raspberries right now. Recommended. A little overpriced, but they're delicious. (laughs) Use the discount code. uh, Hashtag stay refreshing at your worst (laughs) checkout. Um, Yeah, I don't know what to say here because i generally don't have fomo over a lot of things and i cherry pick what i want to play in the Mm -hmm. few games that i play each year uh and other stuff that i watch but i've watched a few bad or terrible movies that were so bad it was good so i'll quickly rattle those off um one was cursed which is from 2005 from wes craven uh basically about a um werewolf stuff had a lot of rewrites uh it is terrible some of it doesn't make sense um but it was a good time uh am i too in the lead up to watching uh, the latest Mission Impossible movie. I hate Mission Impossible Two. It just has feels like it has no soul compared to the the first one. But it has but a banger soundtrack. Limp Bizkit, it has a banger soundtrack. This, that, that was literally in my letterbox <laughs> review. Uh, Bike Chase is still great, and at least we got in my new metal loving opinion a cool Limp Biscuit rendition of the MI theme. So uh, for bad as what I dislike about that movie it still has some really cool redeeming things and the other one when i was watching all my shark movies i watched a movie called orca uh from 1977 where uh, a fisherman kills like a whale like a a whale's child or whatever calf calf yeah a whale's calf (laughs) whatever they call it and um that whale comes back and like vows revenge on the town and basically destroys all the fishing boats uh cuts off its kind of because it's a fishing town cuts off its like supply uh destroying houses that are on the water eating people and it's basically going after its one fisherman and it like culminates in this showdown uh on this iceberg towards the end where the fisherman's kind of like drawn it out because the town's kind of shunned him uh, and goes one-on-one with this whale and it kind of throws him around into an iceberg and kind of uh kills him and maims maims him and gets the revenge so the whale is right through the whole movie and watching it get its revenge in the end and the ridiculous way it just somehow destroys this whole town and kills people was uh was very very good I will give you one gaming thing, though, in a, in a sentence. Uh, the thing that I liked that was so bad it was good was uh, all the discourse about all the bad games uh, this year and seeing people lose their minds over that, uh, like the day, you know, the day before or whatever it was, Redfall, yeah. Starfield, uh, you know, Spider-Man not winning awards. Like just seeing people lose, just gamers in general, losing their minds uh, can be an enjoyable thing from the outside. Did you win the uh, the milkshake bet? <clears throat> I fucking lost that milkshake no. bet. On a technicality? <clears throat> It yeah. launched in some fashion. So yeah. the game came there out. You go. <laughs> yeah, you got your game, Zach, but at what cost? At what everything. Cost? Everything. That's God. right. It's it's insane. And the the people at Fnatic are just running away with their millions. Like they're talking about they owe all this money. No, the way they, they made their money and they got the fuck out of there. And then a week later my game got cancelled. <laughs> yeah. 
shit happens. As they said, mm. shit happens. That's <laughs> it. It does. Jono? Yeah, I, I originally wrote down my response to this one saying I avoid bad things, so I didn't really have anything to talk about. <laughs> but um, I know, but I just don't I don't have that guilty pleasure kind of bone in my body where I watch things that are deliberately bad. Um, we don't have enough time for that. There's not enough time to watch the things or play the things that are good, so I'm not going to waste my time with things that I know aren't. But something that uh, is kind of bad and I kind of don't care is um, the third season of The Morning Show or, or Morning Wars, depending on which part of the world you live in. It came out as Apple TV's kind of like flagship prestige series with Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, Steve Carell, tackling some very like relevant issues at, of the time, um, hashtag me too. And as it's gone on and covered COVID and covered, you know, media conglomeracy and uh, January 6th storming the Capitol, it's it's just gone off the deep end as far as some of the melodrama of its storylines. Um, Brendan, I think you could probably back me up here that it's just um, gotten very out there and it just tries to commentate on too much of real life for it to yeah. to really get, getting too woke getting too woke Jono. yeah and it's like oh here's this john ham character he's clearly meant to be some kind of version of like maybe an elon musk type or something like that and you're just like okay i get it i see what you're doing here but it's not really working but i still watched it all and i don't regret it because there are some really good performances on there still and um they have an amazing cast still, but mm. it's um in, in a similar territory to kind of the newsroom with Aaron Sorkin where they just it gets a little bit too preachy. They they try to do a little bit too much, um, and it um it doesn't completely work. And it, it's fallen out of that kind of prestige category of, of TV into more of a lower tier of almost guilty pleasure. Yeah, I um. I enjoyed this third season. It was certainly the weakest of the three, and, and yeah, it gets a little bit too. You know, what what other what other hip buzzwords can we throw in? It gets a little too meta, a little too woke. Uh, and this this third season is definitely mid. If the kids are still listening on at home now, Jesus Christ. But um, but yeah, it's it's certainly carried by the performances, but the stories are just getting too too melodramatic, too much. It's like yeah, anything that's topical in the news from the past eighteen months, they just throw it in there wherever they can, and it's getting. Get a little too on the nose for me, but yeah, it's still still something I watch. But I also watch a lot of shit. So <laughs> I this this sort of category is my life for the most part. Like you talk about being so short on time that we don't have time for the bad things and we only focus on the good. I am swimming in a sea of bad things every other day here. The amount of nonsense anime that I consume that has that sort of harem subset where it's just unnecessary nudity, unnecessary sexual scenes and suggestiveness and weirdness where i'm just like yep i'm putting that on the background as i do this that the other is very embarrassing to talk about publicly right now because it is often on my television because i'm so up to date with everything else i'm just working through the chum now like i'm going through (laughs) that chum bucket that that fisherman probably used to lure the orca away that buddy mentioned earlier i am in that chum bucket right now finding things to watch and and consume with my time at the moment so Shout out to all the shitty, smutty, questionable anime choices that I've made this year. Another choice that um, I was a bit weird about at first, I saw it on goddamn targeted Instagram advertising where this lady in America that does like sort of little food hacks and stuff, 
did a peanut butter and sriracha sandwich with a little bit of lime on it. And I'm like, this sounds weird, but I like sriracha. I like peanut butter. I like sandwiches. So let's spin it up. And I've done it a few times and I've really enjoyed my time with this sandwich. So uh, yeah, give that a go if you feel like getting a bit kinky with your, with your sandwiches over this holiday period. And the other one I want to mention, but it's more on the, it was just genuinely bad, but it's a shame because the cast that was attached to this, this game when it was announced at the back end of last year, which is Crime Boss Rock A City, which is like a first person shooter that has Matt, Michael Matt Madsen. Barry. Yeah. Shout out to Matt Bear though. He's the greatest. But it's got like, yeah, Michael Madsen, um, Danny Trejo, and a million other like Chuck Norris. B, C, and D listers from yesteryear that are lending their likeness (laughs) and their vocal abilities to this game. So I'm like, man, this is gonna be just a great dumpster fire of good, and it just ended up being a dumpster fire of shit with some celebrities that I have a bit of a touchstone sort of moment with. So yeah, it was bad. It was very, very, very bad. I didn't really play anything that was that bad. It was good this year. So I was sort of clutching at straws. I had to reference some type of game. And uh, old crime boss Roque Cite is the one that I'm going to uh, bring to the podcast today. Anything else you all wanted to reference that was so bad it was good in 2023? Or should we move into 2024? Let's keep it rolling. And is there a tree? No, instead there's a pole. Requires no decoration. I find tinsel distracting. All right, the last topic slash question of 2023's version of Festivus is, what are you not looking forward to in gaming in 2024? And The Nation says, in the gaming landscape of 2024, concerns loom large over multiple recurring issues that we seem to discuss year after year after year after year. The saturation of games as a service, particularly in titles where this model feels unnecessary, Suicide Squad killed the Justice League, cough, cough, continues to scare gamers the most. Additionally, the industry's pattern of soaring profits juxtaposed with ongoing job losses remains a massive point of contention. The flow and effect of layoffs leading to delays, which lead to underdone games, is something we have become all too familiar with. Combine that with the constant do we or don't we need yet another remaster debate, Jeff Keighley doing Jeff Keighley things and the flood of AI-shaped gaming experiences, and you've got a year ahead that doesn't paint the prettiest picture. Jono. Hmm. what are you not most looking forward to in 2024 or do you want to sort of rebut or throw a bit more fire on the uh the nation's claims there no that the nation's done a good job once again of uh compiling various issues um for me just so i can give you the greatest hits of my time on the hungry gamers this year i'll reiterate <laughs> something that tilby and i talked about which was uh some of the turmoil at playstation that's happening amongst the uh the you know the executive level we had connie booth leave who's been there forever uh jim ryan's leaving now that the last of us uh two online factions has been cancelled <laughs> again brings back that thought of like who was pushing for games and service who's still there pushing for it are they the reason these people have left or is person x being bumped up because they have a different kind of strategy playstation is very tight-lipped about it they don't really answer or or or, um refute speculation so people are just kind of left to to just run wild with it one of the games that we knew that was coming out has been cancelled which leaves very little that we know about like we know santa monica is working on something we know that Corey barlog left the ragnarok production team to work on something else we don't know what that is uh, we don't really know what's coming 
from Naughty Dog. Uh, Insomniac just had this massive leak involving um, Wolverine and, Wolverine! and details of, um, of people who work there. So there's some turmoil happening there. And uh, it, it's just a very kind of feels like a chaotic time. PSVR 2 hasn't really hit the way that we hoped. I, I think I said before, but like the fact that Brendan doesn't have one, Brendan buys every kind of gadget that exists and he hasn't been drawn to it. So if he doesn't have it, then who's really the <laughs> the audience for this? It's there's a lot, you know, the, the PS, the PlayStation portal has been popular with people who picked it up, but there's a lot of people that just feel like it's, it's um, you know, a, a stopgap from not producing a handheld console that seems to be... Uh, doing very well as far as like the steam deck and and some other kind of alternatives to that as long with the switch so what's happening at playstation what's coming out this year what's sucker punch doing we don't know so much of what's happening and i am confident that they are still gonna put out some great games as they continue to do so we've got Final fantasy 7 uh ever is it ever christ what's it called rebirth ever crisis it, what's Rebirth? Oh, no, Ever Crisis was the one yeah. that dropped yes, a couple yes. months ago. It confuses me. Rebirth, that's that's exciting. But um, there are a lot of question marks, which makes me think, you know, um, are we going to get some announcements and then very short windows of, of waiting periods before these games come out? We're going to find out what Ben's been working on. I'm uh, hopeful, but also acknowledging some of that turmoil that's happening there and hoping it doesn't get in the way because despite all of this stuff, they've still been smashing and kicking goals as far as sales and profits and all that kind of stuff. But we know that from other topics we've we've been covering on this podcast as well, profits don't necessarily mean things are in a good space and that people's jobs are safe and, and that kind of thing. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Valid. Valid. I am um, in lockstep with you there, JP. Thank you for validating so. me, buddy. Over to you, buddy. Do you want to do you want to validate Jono a little bit more as well? And then I do uh, as a PlayStation as a PlayStation fanboy. Um, I agree. Uh, I want more direction and just something, anything, please. Transparency. That, transparency. That's the key word. Just give us something. Uh, but the thing I'm not looking forward to in gaming in 2024 is Earthblade getting robbed of game of the year 2024 at the increasingly irrelevant game awards and winning best <laughs> indie game during a speed round of award announcements where recipients aren't given any time to give a speech or no stage time. So I uh, can't wait to be disappointed from that. Just like the uh, travesty that uh, was Celeste hashtag Celeste game of the year 2018 robbed when uh, I don't know, some other small game won it. God will, who knows? Yeah. It's, it's very uh, somber thinking that far ahead and, and knowing that your indie dreams are going to get crushed that way. And my Twitter drafts have so many things <laughs> of disappointments ready to go. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that they're just going to be a little cleft note, like they're going to be a graphic on the screen where they just bulk announce like five category winners <laughs> at once in between some nonsense. Like it's, it's sad to think about, but yeah, it's, it's not going to change. Keely's got his, his not so secret source that he's working on now. And that's where the marketing dollars come from. So it's going to, become less and less about the games and those sweet moments and more and more about uh, corporate America. So uh, yeah, I feel bad for Earthblade not winning. I also feel bad for myself because I know 2024 is going to be another year where I don't get to play a Dino Crisis remake. I know we were sort of pissing and moaning about remakes or remasters a little bit earlier, but like I've been 
harping on about this game for decades. And Capcom are remaking everything in their catalog right now, but Dino Crisis is eerily silent and I can't stand it much longer. I'm on a sort of on tilt, on the verge of breaking down mentally and emotionally here right now, thinking about Dino Crisis. I just want to see how Regina's doing in 2024 and see how she's slaying dinosaurs and just living her best prehistoric survival horror life. So Capcom, please don't let me down, but also I'm ready for the heartbreak one more time. Ready, ready to get hurt again. <laughs> yeah, I'm Bre- ready. Brendan, I'm ready. would you prefer a remake or a sequel? A remake. Remake, okay. 100%. Yeah, the, the first one's the best. Yeah, they're kind of running out of stuff to, to remake. <laughs> um <laughs> over there like that they can go back and remake the original resident evil and that's kind of like the games are getting too modern to necessarily no like i I think they'll either announce the the original getting remade next or code veronica both Mm, i would not be sad about either so we'll see which way they go there but where's my fucking dino crisis remake god damn it like i'm not the only fan of this game people will buy this game but capcom I can't get too mad because these other remakes and just new entries to franchises I love are also doing very well. So I also appreciate it. Where's Madonna Crisis? Mm-hmm. Mr. Tilby? Well, look, we've, we've talked about it quite enough already. Mine was sort of more just about the you know record profits that are going to probably come through in 2024, despite almost certainly more hardworking people across Australia and, and the globe losing their games development jobs unnecessarily um doesn't really sit well with me you know talking about how much we all loved games this year and and what a great year for games it was when you know these people are being let go in in some pretty stark and and disappointing circumstances we all heard the sort of pretty uh, unnerving you know reports of, of what was happening when people were being let go at bungee um and that sounded like an absolute hell on earth situation really but I think away from that, in terms of more of like a games-centric view, I think I'm really not looking forward to whatever uh, Epic is going to try and throw on us in terms of the amount of Fortnite stuff, uh, given that a, yeah, about a month or so ago, we were just bombarded with about three, four different Fortnite-related things or Rocket League-related things as well. Like we got Lego Fortnite, we got what is essentially a Guitar Hero, we got a racing game with the rocket league cars and just like all of this stuff that they're being thrown on um, with the Fortnite name and, and logo and, and rocket league name and logo. It's fine. I love, I love playing a bit of Fortnite now and again, just in, in moderation, but you're bound to get burnt out with, with that sort of amount of things being thrown at you all at once. And yeah, like, it's cool. Give me a, a guitar hero game, like a modern guitar hero game now. And that's fine. But like, don't sort of try and tie it into something that it just doesn't feel like a, a, a true, like fully fledged sort of sequel or reboot in that sense. So yeah, look, I'm, I'm not looking forward to them sort of dumping it all on, on my lap next year without any sort of explanation. So I think that's a little harsh. I'm going to defend Epic for once here because I, I live and breathe this Fortnite world now, even though I've hated it for years, I am a <laughs> turncoat and Jesus. I've bought in and First and foremost, Lego Fortnite is fucking sick. I've been playing it this week and it is so fun and it's not going to be a Minecraft or a Roblox killer, but it is right up there to potentially be a a 1A to the 1B to the 1C. Like it is really great. Like it's a little light on with feature and function right now, but for a free game, free mode where you can build Lego in this Fortnite sandbox, hell yeah, 
Um, I haven't played any of the festival stuff, so I haven't got any hard or strong opinions on the the Guitar Hero sort of rock band route they're going. They've talked about instrumental support coming next year, which, yeah, I'm with you. They are throwing a lot of shit at us all the time, and it can be overwhelming because their marketing dollar makes it impossible to hide from. But I think as long as like the fact that they're throwing in all these modes at no cost, I'm like, you know what, Epic, you're a, you're a giant corporate moneymaker machine, but the fact you're not hooking me, well, I do have actually the, the Fortnite pass, so they do have well, a there we go. there. But like <laughs> anyone, like anyone else on this call right now can all jump in and experience this world for free. So I think there's some good that comes of it, but yeah, it is slowly taking over the universe at the same time, which is scary because Epic is a giant monster and they ain't slowing down anytime soon. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. Lego Fortnite's the business and Fortnite No Build is also great. I'm going to get Buddy in over the holidays to do a few it. rounds with me. Yes, ready. But I was just going to say, watch Brendan turn uh, next Festivus uh, turn on Epic when they announce the Dino Crisis characters <laughs> are only available in Fortnite <laughs> and they've abandoned any remake or new entry because uh, oh. releasing it in Fortnite was the only way they saw fit. I would be furious about that, but I'd still buy the skins because begrudgingly, yeah, I can't say no. Yeah, I've got. I was doing the count the other thing. I've got 126 different skins in that game now. Jesus! Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Epic have got <clears throat> harpooned the Brandon, white whale. I think you just have to you just have to learn how to use Unreal Engine and, and make your own Dino Crisis successor. <laughs> there is um. That trash uh, one that came out earlier this year. Oh my the, goodness! One you were speaking about that you played briefly and yeah, I tried to get my money back, but I played it for too long and couldn't get a refund. So that's a shame. <laughs> but um, there's a game I'm brank. I think it's actually called like Extinction, but there's like some new age like Limp Biscuit type of wording in there where they've got a Z or some bullshit, <laughs> and it's getting made by a studio out of New Zealand, and it it looks phenomenal. I, I feel bad not remembering mm. the studio name, but it actually looks like the next iteration of Dino Crisis. It looks so scary and so atmospheric. I'm following along with that very closely. So yeah, Extinction out of unnamed studio out of New Zealand. I'm very sorry. It's slated to come out, I think, the back end of 2024 and it looks the business. So I'm holding out hope, JP. I'm going to get some okay. good dino action in 2024. That's good. I mean, that's one of the good things about this industry is that if there's enough people that want something it'll happen at some point. <laughs> like like Konami's not making Castlevania games anymore, but there's a bunch of really talented indies that make their own tributes to that franchise. Or, you know, there's a game like Shovel Knight or whatever that hasn't been followed up from Yacht Club for, I don't know, nine years now. So there's people making games Mina like... Mina the Horror next year. But it's not, it's not in that same style of Shovel Knight. So there's people that are like, True. okay, we'll make Bat Boy. And that came out this year and a lot of people were really into that. So there, And, and um, you know, there's a game called Gravity Circuit that's done in the style of Mega Man. So there's a lot of talented indies out there that are kind of filling in those gaps. So maybe someone will come along and make your precious Dino Crisis spiritual successor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's fine. There'll be plenty of other things to play and occupy my time with in 2024. Of that, I am sure. So uh, we're eating well. Like as as fans, we're well looked after and well serviced. But as people living the game dev life, little not so much. My heart goes out to the people mm. living that uncertainty every single day because it's fucked. And it's just so upsetting where you see record profits and CEOs getting 
multi-million dollar bonuses due to game selling so well. And then like, oh, by the way, we've got to downsize our workforce by 4%. See you later. And it's just, mm. yeah, it's it just doesn't make sense to me that, yeah, they can promote profits and, and how great they are as, as a company and then let go half of their company to make sure that they maintain getting those fat profits into the future. But that is, um, that's capitalism for you. Mm. Yeah. I, I think but boys, we, yeah. that brings us, Oh, what was that, Jono? Oh, I was just going to, I know it's meant to be a, a complaining episode, but I was going to try and end on something more positive and say that uh, we can only hope that a lot of these game devs who've been put out of work can maybe like band together, form their own studios and make some really awesome games, which we've seen like, you know, expire where people go out and make their own thing that, you know, did better than the company that laid them off. And there's a lot of, um, well, now there's a lot of talented people out there that I'm sure could crowdfund successfully to to put their own creative creativity together without the shackles of the corporate overlords. So let's hope that the indie space is able to gain from what we've lost in the, the AAA as far as those job security. 9,000 people coming together to make the greatest <laughs> Dino Crisis game the world has ever seen. Yes. I cannot wait. But boys, anything else you wanted to mention or shout out here before we maybe close this studio down after this marathon amount of uh fire breathing and uh shade throwing and everything else we've done good that's unanimous silence there so uh yeah thank you boys for coming on and airing those grievances and jumping on this very frustrated roller coaster that is festivus 2023 mr buddy watson congratulations on winning the festivus poll we will get that sent up to you in no time hopefully to be there by christmas and you can uh put that as a pride of place there on the back shelf in the studio because um it's a very special gift one of one uh, might even get it signed so it's even rarer but yeah you can follow buddy at buddy watson 12 you can follow matt tilby at it's tilby you can follow Jono peck at Jono himself and you can follow me at brendan 8 bits but boys it's been an absolute pleasure to ride in the podcast saddle with you fellas the last couple of months thank you for being my fantastic co-host my fantastic residence throughout the back end of 2023 but um yeah two more episodes to go of thg for the rest of 2023 you've got the favorite things episode and then the biddies there is still some time to get those votes in to shape those entirely community driven awards so check out at we are 8-bit on the socials find that link and get those votes in for the biddies we were making fun of jeff Keeley earlier in the game awards maybe the biddies can be like the uh the poor cousin to the baftas and the dice awards <laughs> and continue that ascension up the mountain of award ceremony greatness but until next time 8-bit nation much love stay hungry stay hungry stay hungry we'll see you around